0: Be a whole lot of smoke in the air. Blow it hard for the ones who ain't here. Seems like every day we're putting one six feet underground. So blessed, what goes up must come down.
1: pretentious.
2: Um, this is uh, Ink on the Road. This is our second interview in New York. And we are in the um, how to describe the building? The lovely St. Regis Hotel. Uh, thank you, Jack Cohen. <laughs> she's going to get mad every time I refer to her. Um, she's not here. She's, she's not here. It's the ghost.
1: She's the woman behind the man. You know? She's usually the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon wanted
2: to
3: bring us here because it was in the Dune documentary. Yes, there's a Maxfield Parish uh, mural in the bar here that that uh, talks about uh, Salvador Dali loitering around mm. because it's a uh, it's a big fart joke. The um, the artist that was commissioned Parish really disliked the guy who was. Who was commissioning him, so he he did him as this kind of royal duke sitting on a throne who's farting and everyone's reacting to it around them. So we figured this was the, uh, the place to take
1: Simon. It yeah. was quite a subtle fart. I didn't see any actual, I expected visible clouds or parts of a, a flatuous. But uh, deadly.
3: Uh, ah. Well, this is this is a big part of the interview is that, uh, you know, just d- the difference between a Tasmanian and, and a uh, North American farce. Hmm. This is a, we're talking high class New York. We here. should mention that we're uh, th- who we're talking to is Simon Hasselman,
2: whose new book is Mega Hex from uh, the Fine Folks of Panographics, mm. as well as Life Zone from Space Base and Saint Owls Bay from Floating World. Yes, the
3: ig- Ignis losing the and the Ignis losing Life Zone. That just means you got missed by a brick.
1: Yeah, oh, it was a blessing, I guess. Michael DeForge just left all his bricks in the hotel. Like last year, he won like three of them and just left them all in the hotel.
3: That's, that's, that's how serious <laughs> that dude is. Yeah, he he's like, oh, he, he just doesn't give shit about Comicon
0: anything. This. Fuck it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, how you guys doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. We just had a spectacular dinner.
1: We did. Uh, boar. Wild uh, boar. Yeah. Yep. Asterix style. Yes, yep. Asterix style. Asterix, a- oblix, getifix. Yep, dude, getifix. Cacophonics. <laughs> Um, yeah. So this
2: is the, what, day five into your uh, day six?
1: Ooh, I think I've been here a week now, I've been in America a week, but uh, for the tour it's probably like, yeah, it was like canceled Baltimore on Friday due to a, a failed lift, SBX, uh, Charlottesville, Philly. And yeah, this is day 6. but Nothing's happened today. And it just, just hang out. With you you guys. got married to comics. Yes, I did get married. I'm freshly married. I'm on my honeymoon oh, right. uh, technically.
3: I, uh, which is a which is a whole ceremony that I ran away from like a uh, <laughs> someone running away from a comic book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you missed Simon um, making out with uh, the comics. a.k.a. Yeah. Gary Ross.
3: I told you. I told you my joke, right? How are you Probably. gonna feel about how you gonna feel about being married to comics? Knowing that, that DC and Marvel are gonna continue fucking it.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we're gonna talk about that. Right. Uh, I, yeah, uh, there is a bit of contention in the relationship due mm-hmm. to those things. Uh, it's an ongoing. All relationships are an ongoing, right. Uh, you know, enterprise. Right. Marriages take work. So this is your your comic book honeymoon, mm-hmm. I'm really. Yeah. Taking you to the beautiful scenery just for that. I did a beautiful, uh, beautiful boudoir photo shoot the other night. Mm-hmm. And then consummated the arrangement by just reading some comics in bed. A bit of Burns, the new Loos. Uh This was quite sexy. Next. Nice
2: choices, nice choices. Would you yeah. like
1: those? Oh, they were all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty good. A lot of people have been asking me about the kiss with Gary and what he tasted like. I, I keep on saying uh, cinnamon, halibut. <laughs> uh, a touch of pineapple and canker sores. Nice, it tastes and, like
3: the '80s and regret.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a little bit of venom. Yeah. a little bit of residual venom <laughs> from his uh, before he was uh, declawed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes.
3: And uh, and then after that, you you've done one tour stop.
1: Uh, two, two. You weren't listening earlier, obviously, Brandon.
3: <laughs> no, he <laughs> did not
2: do his research.
1: No, and I actually just said it like minutes ago. And uh, yeah, no, uh, we did Charlottesville and Philly. No, both pretty good. Uh, Paul Pope was at the, the Philly gig. i heard that. He was, yeah. You, you, he was there.
3: It was. It, I heard it looked a lot like Simon Halsman with Paul Pope written on his chest. Yeah.
1: Shirtless. Yeah. There's a lot of rumors flying around.
2: So the last time I talked to you, um, I don't remember when it was. It was a while ago, though.
1: I think it was like late 2012. I think it was shortly after nothing. I short- Tumblr, I think I was just Tumblr. Just Tumblr was happening. Yeah. I, I hadn't come out as a as a crossdresser yet and was not doing. Yeah, you came that exclusive that.
3: to the comics journal.
2: Yeah,
1: I was going to give it to you, but I, I just thought no, Robin doesn't deserve
3: it. In that interview, it didn't quite sound like you you'd, you'd plan to to announce that. It felt more like was that was that is that correct? It was more just kind of a fuck it. All right, we'll talk about this.
1: Uh, Sean asked me if I wanted to talk about it, and I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, it was it was planned, I guess. He was like, do you want you know. Yeah, he, I was waiting for someone to mention it because I started doing all these publicity shots and really? he said, well, you know, what's the deal with this? Do you want to talk about it? And I said, yeah, ask away. And I mean, it was kind of spontaneous, yeah. I did yeah. open up and a uh, big explosion of honesty.
3: How's the reaction been?
1: Um, nice. Predominantly, I got about 200 supportive emails, two death threats, which is, you know... yeah, good. That's, that's good. Um, a lot of guys came out to me and expressed similar things. My mum my finally found out like uh, a couple of months ago when a hometown newspaper ran an article on me and she was actually really cool about it because like she's you know always been a bit homophobic. Um, yeah she was really cool about it and uh, I was just kicked under the table. I don't know if that was to, to stop talking no. I didn't, I was, I'm not saying anything weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's when the shit gets good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been good. Uh, I had a great time at SBX sashaying around, and nobody beat me up. Nobody spat on me. That was I nice.
3: A, I think that's a good environment for uh, kind of people being how they want to be.
1: Yeah. Everyone's there being nerdy, so why not be glamorous?
2: Now, I'm just going to go right back to what we were just talking about before we started talking about SPX again. Mm-hmm. Um, because I seem to remember, and someone else can correct me if I'm wrong, is after... Mm-hmm that entry you also got a lot more um, relating that a lot more in your artwork there's that series you did I don't know if it's yourself or make with boner um,
1: like the the lingerie witches witches with boners
2: yeah thank you Jack
1: yeah I'd I'd already done them earlier on I think like early 2012 I'd done this like fake pornographic facsimile called lingerie witches and yeah, then I did more, but I, I added a lot of dongs. I mean, yeah, because did, I remember yeah.
2: Lottery Witches, but they didn't have.
1: They all had hairy legs and hairy underarms. I, I was, you know, I was going for a standard of beauty. Uh, you know, you know, trying to not be a total sleaze, and I was going for a naturalistic vibe. But then I did an erotic show in Melbourne called Flesh Tones that my friend Michael Hawkins put together, and I just went dong crazy and started throwing some dongs around, and uh, yeah, they were fun to do. Um, Yeah.
2: I wonder about the relation of that, to, like, being more open about cross-dressing, to exploring that more. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's just being open about it, yeah, exploring different forms of, you know, yeah, gender fluidity. And I've been saying recently I just identify as a flesh-bottle skeleton and just, you know, don't really see gender as, you know, a huge difference, you know. Do
2: you have
1: a know. preferred pronoun? No, I, I mean, he, I guess. Annie Mock, at the thing the other night, kept on calling me she. And that's fine, but I generally just go by he. I mean, when I dress up, I'm still just a guy. I'm just a glamorous kind of guy. And, you know, I'm not really a guy. I don't know. But, yeah, he's fine, she. You can call me Skeletor. Like,
3: you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking to Skeletor here. Yeah. So it's interesting. Has, has making it public been something that... Forces you to address it in a different way than just something that you are aware of, but um, but don't have to discuss on on interviews.
1: Well, I, I've talked about it getting blended in with publicity stuff, right. like mm-hmm. uh, and people don't recognize me like this. Like right now, I'm just dressed in a hoodie and jeans. Let's be honest, you
2: are like you're wearing your hood up, yeah, and, and like Saturday night I'm talking to you, and you had your hood up, and I, that's something I'm really interested about because when you're not you're not in drag kind of more concealing.
1: Hmm. Well I do like to conceal myself. I don't really feel comfortable as a male or just Yeah, I, I like the hood, I like the anonymity and being covered up. It's a nice disguise, the the drag or whatever you want to call it, at the cons. It is like a character. I do like, you know, sashay around the floor it feels like a, a certain wall of invincibility and distance between me and the public.
3: And do you feel that people treat you fairly different when you're like
1: that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And people are disappointed when I'm just dressed like this. I I felt a sense of disappointment or weirdness at the Philly thing the other night, but then I heard that you know about Paul Pope doing the shirtless thing there, so I was like, right. I mean, I I was going to do it for Philly, but I just didn't have time to get changed, Mm. and uh, and then I was like, oh, how lackluster, and yeah, got the shirt off. But I mean, there's also
2: something there where you're kind of like navigating this thing where this expectation that's kind of not an expectation of the work.
1: Yeah, well, it's outside of the work completely. It's a whole different world of of performance, Uh, but I like that. I think as an artist, just you know, you have to try and razzle dazzle people to an extent, and try and go above and beyond to entertain people, and yeah, you know, I'm just trying to be a a triple threat, Robin and Brandon. Just you know, what are
2: you calling us that? Hmm? What, What happened to your names?
1: Oh, Brandy. Yeah, nice. I actually did slip up and call uh, Brandy Brandon then. Brandon yeah. Graham is officially Brandy Graham then. I've got a tour name. Mm. It's catching on. It's a, it's a little
3: more glamorous than Brandon. You
1: know, I than like y Brandy, too. I think it's good. Would it be Brandy with an I or a Y? Y. Uh, you know, it's y? actually spelled. Yeah. The funny
3: thing about the name is it's actually spelled Moesha. Yeah, yeah, I keep thinking. Yeah. Was that the one she did the. That's my mom song
0: with or whatever Moesha
3: was? Moesha well, was totally unrelated to what we're talking about. <laughs> the thing that you think you're talking about is that uh, the R&B singer Brandy uh, yes. Ray J's older sister um, uh, his sex tape is fantastic by the way if you have anything to check it out <laughs> I like how we're trying to get totally serious and now we here yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
0: Uh,
3: Brandy's little Brandy's little brother is lame you know that now I think it's the line
1: uh, anyway uh, yeah I can't stop thinking about that Brandy yeah, Moesha was the, was the sitcom but that, the Brandy I think that's a good thing, though. I think that association can only help your career.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was derailing that, but, the conversation. I'm sorry. Sir.
1: No, no, I don't mind at all. I'm, I'm quite tired. I've only slept about two hours uh, each night for the last week. Uh, Has your tour
2: been kind of a slave drive?
1: Yeah, 32 hours to get here, and then I had a day of rest, and uh, it's just been go go go. I signed for five and a half hours on Sunday and four on Saturday. Just a, really, you know, I love it. I love signing.
3: Nice. How how's the how's the audience been when you when you do signings?
1: Really good. I, I went to other people's tables and sat at like Julia Gaffer's table. Gaffer, Gaffer, Gaffer fernur. Fernur. And there were some like really just weird customers, just like oddballs. And fanographics get some weirdos as yeah, well right. and well, just a lot of
3: it's just the odd, odd your your work is very we did a panel earlier where you talked about your work being very um, casual. Mm. In your presentation of things. Well I, I,
1: I do get very casual fans coming up. It is quite breezy. We have a nice talk and mm-hmm. I didn't get one single oddball that frightened me or made me want to shrivel or go away. Or nice. Yeah, they are all really great. I, I like interacting with my fans. It's nice. I Man, chat to them.
2: The last time we talked, um, you mentioned to me off the record about the, poss- the fanographics book. I don't think that was on the record. Yet. No,
1: it wasn't. It took about six months for the deal to go through.
3: <laughs> and there's... Uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, you know. Jack, Jack, who isn't here, is, is not pantomiming faces at of,
1: face of mm. they they're a big, classy no. company. You know, they've got to like you know sort out contracts right. and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's like checking into the rights. I heard the like, publisher yeah. has
3: a has a Scrooge McDuck style money bank that he swims in. They have to they have to actually put in scuba gear and, and uh, dive down and find him in.
1: Yes, uh, that's where all the Kickstarter money went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just in Carry Cross big money bin. Mm-hmm. He likes guns as well, so he shoots the money. yeah <laughs>
2: Um, but I'm wondering about um, that work, um, approaching it for, the, for, for ultimately for a book, and how that kind of changed the process of like, instead of creating her just, you know, content, creating content to get out of there, yeah. like, you know, like, oh shit, this is a book this is gonna have a cover on it
1: yeah it wasn't too stressful it's essentially the book i just wanted to make like mm-hmm. it's mega hex is essentially the first uh, four issues of the mega hex mini comics i mm-hmm. made before i gave up making mini comics and started the tumblr and then it's all the leftover material that i wrote in 2011 that would have been the rest of that series of mini comics so it's really just all of those collected and i mean if i could have had my way back in the day i wouldn't have made mini comics i would have made it as a big book so really, Fantagraphics just enabled me to make the big book I wanted to make. Uh, so it was just finishing the work really, and just putting it in a reasonable reading order.
3: And so, when, when Fantagraphics contacted you initially, you were were you in the middle of working on the work that's published in Mega Hex? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of it was done, and I had a lot of scripts lying around for what I wanted to finish. Then I got sidetracked with Life Zone for Space Space right. and the other stuff, and Truth Zone. Uh, yeah, I'm always working on a lot of things at Do once. Do you think it
3: affected your your work once you realized that it was going to be published by Fanographics by, by a bigger publisher?
1: No, I didn't think so. Um, Tell me about the, the dance did, of joy that you did with that. Oh, I went great. Obviously, yeah, I've, I love fanographics. Like, I have for years, so I, I just lost it when they wrote to me. It was just like, I you know, I was always scared to send stuff to them. Like I've talked to friends in Australia, like, none of us send anything to Fantagraphics. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it sounds kind of scary on the website, they're on submissions kind of guidelines, and it just, it kind of sounds pointless in a way, or just kind of like, you feel self-conscious, and like, I'm not going to get through, like, I'm not good enough. You, you, Especially in Australia, you're so far away from everything, it's just, it seems incredibly unrealistic. So for them to contact me, because I was like sending stuff to like Image, and like Marvel, and like, Top Shelf and No Brown and anyone who had submissions I was just I was reading Tom Spurgeon's comics reporter resources in the mm-hmm. bookstore where I worked and just like how can I get out of this mini comic ghetto how can I but yeah I was too scared to send stuff to Fantagraphics but then Jack Cohen from Fantagraphics wrote to me and I lost my shit and mm. what a jerk. yeah <coughs> but it, yeah it worked out they signed me eventually and uh, they believed in me and I don't think they did initially. But, um, I don't know, <laughs> but they do, and it worked out really well. And uh, yeah, I showed them. The books doing pretty well. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting because I wonder if, it, like a lot of fan, my,
3: when I when I pick on fanographics, it's that they uh, they have these amazing cartoonists in the '80s and a lot of. I feel like a lot of the aesthetic is being like, all right, we found some of the best cartoonists in the world. We're done
0: now. Well, they've all
3: defected to uh, different publishers, sadly. Uh, So it's really nice to see... uh, you know, see cartoonists like you and with Suburbia and everything come out because it's this total new guard of,
1: uh, yeah. Well, people like a couple of years ago were saying Phantom graphics, like it's just you know, repackaging doing the peanuts and they're not publishing young cartoonists, right. but there really is a huge amount of young cartoonists at the moment like me, Van Skyver, Gaffer. I think it's
3: just a, it's a like long Forsman, shadow cast by, by the brothers and all those guys, too. Yeah, all those legends like, from it's the like, 80s. Oh, yeah, where's the next 11 Rockets? Chop, chop. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's this is a lot to lay on someone.
1: There's a shitload of new stuff coming out of Fantagraphics. Um, it's, all, it's all bullshit. The Disney graphics cracks are unfounded. They're not putting out Garfield next year. That's a rumor <laughs> as well. I don't, <laughs> don't, know, I I don't know who started that.
2: <laughs> Just a bunch of Heathcliff collections? Mm-hmm. They
1: are doing Heathcliff, that's true. Right. And Baby Huey. Is it, is it, uh, is it true that Mog hates Mondays? He does. He's not partial to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mostly just due to being hungover. He has a big weekend. And, right. Yeah. Although generally the weekends are meaningless for them.
3: But so have you? We discussed a little bit in the panel we did earlier, but um, the the children's comic or the children's books that you were influenced by is mm. is it something that you remember discovering or were they always around?
1: I don't particularly remember discovering. They were just they were just always always around. I had a lot of kids' books as a kid. My mum always stocked the place up with books. Uh, I think to keep me from going to jail. A lot of my friends from elementary schools, you call it over here, mm. are in prison now mm-hmm. for manslaughter or uh, armed robberies. So I think my mum tried to turn me to a nerd, kind of consciously, and she did a good job. And, yeah, always had the Megan Mogg books around. Just. Uh, they're ingrained in me. I used to draw like that in high school like Jan Pienkowski, hmm. Who kind of looks very DeForgy. I was doing some, like scan warps of the Megan Mog kids books for like a reading I was going to do where I, I do a reading of the kids book and then it slowly like morphs into my Megan Mog. And the coloring is really DeForgy. You know, I sent good. them to Michael and it was, he was like, "Oh wow, yeah, it looks just like my stuff." And, "Wow, cool. I need to check it out." eh? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: just it's nice. Up this yeah. Bag of milk. Gotta <laughs> kind of finish up my sack of milk, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Jan Pankowski's stuff. He does a lot of like uh, nice illustrated fairy tale books mm-hmm. with lots of like handmade paper and silhouettes, and he's pretty good. And what, what and where these st- where these books from? Uh, the UK. He actually drew them in a lot of them in Richmond upon Thames, where I lived. I started okay. drawing Megan Mog. I think I talked about this in the panel. Right. So we're just repeating ourselves now. Right, right. Next question. Time,
2: uh, we don't have James Kochalka asking about how someone uses a pen.
1: Yes, and Michael and Pat <laughs> aren't around and. being shy. <laughs> <laughs> was that Kochalka in the audience? Was yeah, it? that was right.
2: Kochalka asking about the, uh, asking Patrick's question about the pen. Right. I think he stood up and asked
3: everyone if, if he was adorable.
1: Ah. Was like, sit down. <laughs> I didn't realize that was Kachalka. He bailed me up a bunch of times out in the, uh, the lobby, but uh, yeah. yeah. It's like, God, just leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a song that I want to sing to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did make some sort of superstar crack as well. Mm. Yeah.
3: That's good. No. Oh. So, no, I was interested in what, what uh, like, how long ago the children's books were made?
1: Uh, 70s. Okay. So is that, Early 70s. Is the,
3: is the author, though, still alive?
1: Uh, Helen Nickel, the author, passed away about two years ago. Mm. And Jan Pienkowski is still alive, but I think he's advancing in age. There is actually a Canadian uh, animated version at the moment of the kids' books where I'm April Levine well. does the voice of me. What? Yeah. <laughs> Robin's yeah. This yeah. over. Yeah. Check it out, Robin. The, the wife of Nickelback? Yes. Yes, of Chad Kruger. And actually, around the time I was like navigating the deal with Fantagraphics, it was announced at Comic-Con there was going to be a partial live-action CGI Megan Mogg kids' movie coming out around the same time as my book hmm. in 2014. But I, I was like, fuck, this is bad news. But that movie got lost in development. Hell, thank God.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank Roth. Yes, thank Roth. <laughs> right,
3: so I'm interested in... Uh, did you Did you identify with the, with the characters in that?
1: Uh, oh, in the kids' book, not at all. It's, it's, it's very early learning. And mm. uh, it's like, you know, Meg's casting a spell. Oh, no, it's gone wrong. And she's trod on Meg's tail, she's hasn't she? She's tried
3: for witchcraft now.
1: Yes. What's she having for breakfast? It's all just about breakfast and, and spells and the, yeah, they're quite. I get
3: I get fancy I a fancy spell of breakfast myself. Yeah. <laughs> you love a good breakfast.
2: Um, tell me about the long game with uh, Megan Mogg um, because if I remember right, Mega Hex is actually like a second book. There's early stuff to the story.
1: What do you mean a second book?
2: I thought like somewhere that like. I mean, you know, Mega Hex doesn't start with Mega Hex, like...
1: Well, it does. I mean, Mega Hex is the, the... It's the definitive article. There's Life Zone and Sanal's Bay and other things floating around, but <clears throat> I just see them as offshoots of Mega Hex. They're just, like, expansion packs. Uh, I mean, yeah, Mega Hex, Al moves out at the end of it, so the long game is there'll be Meg's Carbon, which continues the story. Al has, you know, he's living on his own. Meg has to go back and deal with her mother's escalating drug problems and, you know, deal with her own drug problems. And Mog and Werewolf Jones will be alone with a bunch of heroin in the house. And a bunch of stuff will happen. And it'll sync up with the Christmas 2017 story where Werewolf Jones dies and. It'll be quite sprawling. It'll probably be at least four hundred pages. It'll be as funny as the usual stuff, but also it'll go a lot darker and a lot more dramatic. Hmm. It's like my movie. There's like, no trepidation
2: yeah. of putting forward here's what I'm going to do for four hundred pages yeah. three years
1: from now. No, I, I've already done a, a two hundred and forty-four page graphic novel, which I learned a lot of lessons from. I'm, I'm not releasing it, but yeah. I, I'm going to like try and do Meg's Carbon in like four yearly one hundred page chunks. Hmm. And there's also a bunch of other satellite material that's set before Al has moved out. Because there is becoming a complicated chronology with it now. Like, I, you know, I kind of screwed myself with Al moving out at the end. I really wanted to do that ending, especially because there's the horrible kind of sexual assault story. So yeah. I, there's the bit where Werewolf Jones and Al have consensual sex, which I think sort of adds to the weirdness of that assault. Yeah. And then I, that is also the catalyst for Al moving out, the, the assault part. I, he had to move out at the end. He had to make some sort of stand. But you know, they'll live together again. He'll get sucked back in. You know. right. yeah, it's going to go through a bunch of different cycles. I've got it all roughly planned out, and there's all the vice stuff as well. But that's kind of set during a generic time frame. It's kind of like A, D, B, C. Like you know, there's after Al moves out and before Al moves out, and you know, I'll draw up a complicated timeline at some point so all you nerds can keep up and not get confused.
2: It'll be like the thing that Kim Thompson used to do of what Love and Rockets books you need to read in what order.
1: Yes. Fanographics will have to put out a really convoluted, confusing list of. They'll do like multiple, multiple editions of the books. same yeah.
2: book or like half the book and then a third of another book.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make it really confusing. <laughs> Just impenetrable for people. Just impenetrable.
2: That's always the goal. Um, now, the story length. Are you kind of getting more and more comfortable with the longer story forms? Uh,
1: yeah, kind of. I've been doing shorter stuff recently for Vice, and not really enjoying it. I do prefer uh, expansive, wide-laned, luxurious pacing. So I mean, I'm, I am scared of doing a longer thing, but
2: it's part of that the um, with the short story really having to be dependent on having that punchline sooner and not being able to just. Allow the characters to breathe.
1: Yeah, I, I like to pack a lot in. I like to have like th- at least three or four things going on in every strip, and you know the main punchline or anti-punchline, like depression punchline. I just I like room to breathe. I don't like working to a rigid kind of two-page thing. Like, if I want it to be three or four pages, I mean I, I, most stories I write, I'm like okay, it's going to be twenty pages, and then it turns out being a hundred. I, I like. luxurious pacing so
0: tell me what the
2: catharsis you get from this work
1: because
2: uh, we got pretty in depth with a lot of stuff in the last interview Mm. about your personal life Mm -hmm. that I feel like you talked about that's coming up in the story
1: Oh, oh, like uh, the my mom drug addicty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot about therapy. It's working through stuff. Like uh, the week before I went on tour, my mom's back on the crystal meth. Uh, I'm paying for a rehab at the moment. I was, it was sort of getting me down. It was making it very difficult to get everything prepared for the tour and to keep. Like, I didn't want to come really. Like I was kind of freaking out. Like I'm so fucking tired. I'm so fucking stressed. I don't want to go on this fucking plane ride. Like. I can't handle a month fucking away from the studio, but now that I'm here, I love it, and I just don't want to leave. And I'm sort of hooking up opportunities over here, and things are going quite well. And uh, you know, I'd like to move here at some point. But yeah, it's it's all it's therapy. I've I've quit seeing my therapist, so working on this shit is therapy, really. You know. I, I read stuff years later and I'm sure we all do I, I, no one else here draws comics except for Graham but I'm, I'm sure Brandy looks at stuff and oh yeah, 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 yeah you no, recognize it's, things you're working there, through and
3: yeah and you can't you can't always tell what you're working through very definitely and It's a, yeah. I also have that very same experience of dreading trips and then when you're on them It's, uh, you know, you've gone off to Narnia and you're going to return to the same age, it'll
1: be okay. Mm. And, yeah, putting this shit on paper, the heavy shit with my mum, it makes it easy to deal with and process. Like, Mm. it moves it from reality, I can analyse it, make it seem less real, and also it turns it all into story ideas. Whenever my mum flips out again and backslides, I can be like, awesome, more story ideas, wow, there's more of Meg's carbon, like... I thought it was over, but no, now I've got more ideas. Does, do
3: you find yourself doing pretty direct uh, analogies in the story, or is it, or is it kind of couched over things?
1: It fluctuates. I mean, sometimes it's just like raw and like straight as it happened, and other times, you know, I embellish things and mm-hmm. it changes. I've got to stop saying that it's so autobiographical because a lot of reviews are saying what disgusting characters they are. Right, would, how could anybody, you know, like the Klaus quote? It's like I never want to hang out with any of these people ever again. And it's like, well, you're going to have to hang out with me next month, Klaus. Yeah, that's hilarious. Like, you know, look out! Like,
3: I, I got a review because King City was the, is the book of mine that I always describe as the my most autobiographical thing, and mm. um, and I had a I had a. Um, uh, meeting with the, one of the editors at Tokyo Pop before I uh, managed to cut those editorial chains and, and and be free and and it was great because they were like they were like what's the story arc here? This guy's a total fucking loser. Like you know where is he gonna go? He has to get his shit together. And I'm like I know, man. I know. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's kind of insulting. Uh. Yeah. yeah. But this is what we get when we just you know we these. Minstrels just bearing our souls. And, well, hopefully uh,
3: it's honest, and you're talking about things that you're uncomfortable about with yourself. Or.
1: Well, I am. Yeah, I'm you know pl- you know plunging in depths, and and a lot of it's stuff my friends have done, and I'm just condemning my friends, and, mm-hmm. and and just freely showing it. Like I'm you know like the sexual assault one, I feel quite uncomfortable about that, and people write me and kind of. Right don't like it and I try to explain it's you know, something it's just what how how it was where I grew up mm-hmm. and that's what people thought were funny and right. I'm not reveling in it I'm not trying to approve of it or condemn it really I'm just showing it and right. dealing with it. I put the trigger warning on the cover because you know in this day and age you know it's, people get sensitive about things and you know I don't want anyone to be offended by it and stuff that's just, you know, that's and it's interesting I know. wonder is
3: that is that part of you your your comic uh, pe- people noticing your work coming kind of from an internet Tumblr?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's definitely their internet thing. I mean, the trigger warning thing, that's just an internet thing. Right. No one else has trigger, it with trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's a very internet-based work, I, right. I guess. It's, that's how I made my name. And people still call it a webcomic. Even though all the stuff I put online is just from mini-comics. Oh, I only made the Tumblr because I couldn't make money making mini-comics.
3: Well, do you feel that your peer group is online?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's pretty much online. Like I've said, like MySpace was a band database back mm-hmm. in the day. Tumblr is like sort of a comics database. Everyone's kind of on there, or you should be. The Forge. Yeah, the Forge quit. What yeah. a sad case. Sad, sad. Well, it's
3: interesting his his reasoning about uh, about not wanting to qualify what was what got more attention. Hmm. But uh, it's strange. I never in my and my stuff, I put online. I never really put on my finished work. It's always like here's here's some sketchbook work or whatever. But the the real work, I kind of save for a print.
1: Yeah, I can't do that. I just have to put it up. But I mean, Meg's Carbon and I won't put that online. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the new Mega Hack stuff, I didn't put online. No, I didn't put Life Zone online actually. Right. So yeah, I just live.
2: Saint Bay.
1: Yeah, I didn't put that online because I you know I do want people to you know get a treat from this stuff and like right. you know I am. Very pro books. I don't really like web comics. I hate web comics. In fact, I, mean, <laughs> I think they're shit.
3: Although it is a totally different experience reading something in print than oh,
1: completely. Than I I, think. You know, I read a lot of stuff online, but I I, I I buy the books and often I'll just brave. You know, I yeah, I don't really properly read things online. I get the sense of them and I buy the books. Could you keep it down, please? Sorry, there's some people being noisy. <laughs>
2: Very rude.
1: Um, we we're talking before on the on the
2: panel, which will be posted before this is posted, mm. um, about kind of maintaining the workflow on the tour. Mm-hmm. You're five days in, six yep. days in,
1: weekend. Um, I've got nothing done. Yeah. Deforge posted on Twitter before. It was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've managed to get a. This is the first piece of work I've managed to get done." And it's just like, "What the fuck? When did you get that done? I've been with you the whole time. How the, the forty page heck? comic." I I imagine it probably is. I I didn't bother to look at it. I was just like, you showboating bastard, and just refused to look at his WordPress. And also, I just think his WordPress is ridiculous. Just floating out there alone in the internet, just like an island, this lost island. Yeah, he must have done that last night, I guess. Like, I don't know. But yeah, I'm not going to get anything done. I'm struggling to get emails done.
3: I'm interested in in how much you... um, we, t- we talked a lot before we, we, we had another interview, Emily uh, and
2: uh, Eleanor? Eleanor. We're not going to talk about Random one half No, no. It was just, it was just <laughs> about the I idea love of,
3: of... I know, I know. We'll get into that in a second. <laughs> but it was the idea of, of self-portraiture and, and how you portray yourself and a lot of our people are talking about...
2: Um, yeah, especially with what Eleanor Davis did with her... Um, her daily comic for the comic. Show. Yeah, I,
1: love, I was just saying to Cohen earlier today. I think I just, I love the tiny head and the big body. And yeah, yeah. I love how she draws herself. It's amazing. I
3: was wondering how if there's any of that Meg for you since you dress up as the character.
1: Yeah, I, you know, not to a huge degree, but yeah, Meg's me. Like you know, no. Yeah. I was surprised by the freckles. Yeah, I always draw on the freckles. Yeah, I, the the freckles came. Like with Meg, I started drawing the freckles on after a while, like yeah. after about three years. I had to go back to all the old work in Megahex and draw freckles on her in a George Lucasy way. I went back and, and re-freckled everything. Right. And there's a tiny jab of the heart in the background in one of the early episodes. <laughs> <sighs> that was a terrible Star Wars joke. Well, that was the best Star Wars joke in this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: Talking yeah about um because I mean last time we talked what two years ago now, I guess, yeah, um, you were with a, living with a girlfriend mm-hmm. and um, getting leads into her father's mailbox, yeah
1: by Joe Kessler,
2: yeah, thank you Joe and uh, now your roomies with your good bud, Mr. HTML Flowers.
1: Yep, he's got a book coming out from Space Face. Oh, nice. This November. Anyway, yeah, really Lives with November. HTML Flowers.
2: Uh, tell me about the friendship um, and the camaraderie between you two.
1: Ah, uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, we're best friends. I mean, we're like boyfriends, basically. We jerked each other off in a hot tub once, but uh, we had a foursome with some girls in a park. But that's, you know, we, we try to stay away from each other sexually. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Good job. Yeah, you know it's hard sometimes. <laughs> Rented, but, uh, None of that's happened. That's, that, that's, that's why you got to do the hand job, and then it goes down.
1: We just we yeah we get on well. We are both you know sad boys. We're depressed, and we, we yeah we yeah we support each other, and we get on really well, and we write together, and you know. Yeah, it's nice. I've been thinking about it the next few, the thinking about it the last few days, like this whole like I want to move to America thing that happens every time I come to America. And I really do like I, you know, I want to get these TV show things going and do the con circuit over here. And so I'm just, I've been thinking about it like shit. I'm gonna have to like move away, or but he's he wants to move out at the moment. Um, he we live with his mother as well because of his cystic fibrosis and. Well, mostly we live with we live with his mother mostly to keep her away from his stepfather. Grant's always saying like, you know, she lives with me because right. it's embarrassing. People are like, oh, you live with your mother, and he's like, no, 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 she lives with me. Like, you know. It sounds like you're both kind of um,
3: dealing with uh, dealing a lot with your parents. Do you think that that was a, a connection at all in your friendship?
1: Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, he, he's. Shitty fucking dead dad Was a real fucking deadbeat my, my, I haven't spoken to my dad for years My Nazi loving Fucking queer hating Disgusting father And I, I don't know if my dad's that bad But he, we haven't talked in years And He said some weird shit The last time I talked to him And I'm pretty sure He doesn't approve Of the cross dressing stuff And Yeah Grant's stepfather Was a piece of shit And Grant's mum drinks a lot Like she gave me all her booze A couple of weeks ago Because her liver is fucked And she's not supposed to drink anymore And really? we've all got subs use problems in the house and yeah I don't know Grant and I are a good support network for each other I'm worried about him while I'm away on tour Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah we can't stay attached to each other forever Mm -hmm. but like I've had like you know TV opportunities and stuff and I always kind of Try to drag Grant in, like my riding partner, and like you know, we will both move to LA together. but I can't saddle myself with someone, and especially because Grant is going to need like you know proper healthcare because of his shitty, shitty chronic illness.
2: And America isn't kind to of that. No,
1: it's not. That's why I mean Grant's from Illinois. Like that's why the family moved to Australia for the healthcare. They owed like thousands and thousands of dollars in you know, healthcare and so Karen brought the kids over to uh, Melbourne. Yeah, you know, when Grant was like ten, uh, seventeen years ago. But yeah, we get on very well. He's my writing partner.
2: Have you
1: guys done any comics together that have been published? Um, I mean, he helps write a lot of Megan Monk stuff, like a lot of the Vice stuff. Like, Grant's around when I'm writing it, so we kind of riff shit out. Although he always just does, like... He always tends to just do, like, crass poop jokes, and he's obsessed with the felt hats that Werewolf Jones makes. Like, just once I had Werewolf Jones making felt hats in the corner, and Grant is obsessed with it. Everything is about felt hats and Werewolf Jones shitting on something. So I do shut down a lot of his ideas. Uh, his, his
3: felt hot. She had joke ideas. I'm, I'm interested about the about the television stuff and, and, and primarily like if you're worried at all about the work getting away from you and no longer being personal.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, there just have to be a clause in the contract that the show is a separate entity, that I can do whatever I want in the comics realm with Megan Mogg and the show can be based on that or it can be me and a bunch of writers or just a bunch of writers without me doing it as long as I'm getting lots of money and I can have a nice apartment and keep drawing comics and afford food I'll be pretty happy Hmm. I mean I don't want to sell out and have some shitty show I'd want it to be good as good as the comic Uh, but you know who knows these collaborative processes and big companies it's interesting
3: but I feel like for the first time in in, certainly in in my career lifetime, that the idea of, of creating a quality show that doesn't get pulled out from under you—things like Adventure Time and Steven Universe—is actually possible.
1: Yeah, um, especially if you've like established yourself. I think like I've talked to executives, and they're like, you know, you've got to get a pilot up on yeah. the internet, get a million hits, and then the networks won't fuck with you because you've got this, you know, pre-approved product. Yeah. Then they won't retool it too much. But I think if you're just, yeah, you know, jumping in and.
2: Is that way, Moynihan
1: did I mainly? Would, I would assume so. And that's doing pretty well, and hopefully it won't get fucked with. Um, but yeah, the whole TV thing scares the shit out of me. Like, I've been talking, like, lawyers and contracts recently, and talking to friends who work in the industry. Because a lot of us do now. Like, Brandon, you've done Adventure Time, and Alden's doing it, yeah. is doing it, like, Moynihan's doing it, like, Hannah Walt's doing it, like, yeah. 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 It's good to have friends to talk to about it and mm-hmm. the process and recommendations for lawyers and, and knowing that, you know, these networks can be a bit sleazy and they really can try and pull the wool over your eyes and, right. and what to look out for. It's, yeah, it's a scary world, but it's something I would like to try, you know, I feel like with the... Thank the, you. Oh, thank you, sir. Have a good evening. What are you paying? you paying the bill off.
2: I'm not paying the bill You i how yeah. much my
3: cola is. Jesus Christ.
2: How much was that cola? You
1: don't know. I want to know.
3: It just says a liver.
1: They're actually going to take one of your I livers. I you
0: paid for our drinks yeah, yeah. But I paid for Brandon's coffee, didn't I? No.
1: Nope.
0: I didn't? I have... I have a 50-102 symbol. I got some too I got stuff. Do you need some money? Yes. Uh, I think I just want
2: to put in, like, a dollar over to There we go. Thanks. Thank you very much. I gave him these two drinks. Well, wait. I
0: I didn't pay
2: Just, Just for the record, Brandon is drinking a
1: $9 coffee, and I'm drinking an $8 Coke. I just paid with a meg dollar. Uh.
3: Well, thank you, Simon. Yeah. That makes me feel a little less
1: nervous.
3: <laughs> is this advancing? Well, it's a whole, like, every little, um, I'm pretty sure that this, I'm drinking yeah. out of the, um...
0: These were really expensive. How much were they?
2: $50.
1: You just spent $50 50? on two drinks.
2: Well, I thought it was for the coffee also. I don't know. mind. Anyway, this is not going
0: to be the interview, right?
1: That's the I kind of want to keep it That's in. the level yeah. of decadence that I'm living right now, guys. I'm drinking a $25 <laughs> drink. <laughs>
0: I'm sitting beneath a
1: chandelier (laughs) drinking a $25 (laughs) bourbon. This is not on the graphics,
0: it's constantly (laughs) out. Yeah, yeah, it it blends. It's usually not. $25, so um,
1: we're just living it up right now. Don't put that in. Young take, professionals. Edit
0: that part out.
1: Put, put it in the interview, Robin. <laughs> I, I decree it's my interview. I decree that it's going in the interview. Uh, we'll, we'll, I don't. Oh. Want, I don't
0: want the Fanagraphic Expense account to look like we look, have twenty-five dollars spent on, on one dude,
1: single drink. Dude, Gary, I, I offered to pay for the drinks and dinner tonight. I'll, I'll gladly reimburse you. <laughs> like when I'm in town, <laughs> when we go shooting, I'll buy you some you halibut. You can tomorrow. microwave it in the office. I'll buy you a hot fudge Sunday, Everything will be fine. Do
3: you know why? You, you know why? Microwaves in the office though? Just for the halibut. oh um so I'm, i want to point out that I'm actually drinking out of the uh, thank you. Thank you Simon. I'm actually drinking out of the um the motherly uh the motherly character from um who, who's she played by uh,
2: Mrs. Potts
3: Mrs. Potts who uh, voiced by Betty White Betty White yes and I'm consuming her her coffee blood I'm drinking an eight dollars
2: coach um it's not worth $8. Do you think it's
1: like high fructose corn syrup
2: Coke? With brown color. Is it
1: real Coke or is it post mix, do you think?
2: I think it's a fucking mix. Mm. Um, sorry, listeners. Uh, we don't attempt to be this decadent, <laughs>
1: um,
3: especially Phantographics.
1: Uh, Fantagraphics are very sensible with their money. Um, I've been, I've been in the, the, the kitchen. hooker they
3: got me. The cocaine all over her body
0: was so so hard. I've
1: been eating at Waffle House. Like uh, Fantagraphics said, there was some money in the budget for eating. and They've been taking me to Waffle House and Denny's all week, and I'm, I'm not allowed to have sides. I have to <laughs> share. G Brandon, no sides. Deforge and Kyle and I have been sharing drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's been very frugal. Uh, good business sense yeah. we have not been gambling down at the dog track uh, <laughs> categorically no Gary Gross does not have a dog gambling problem he is not down at the dog track that rumour is not true
2: this is all staying in Jack. yeah
3: I no, I'm glad <laughs> um, our, our friend Jack needs a job if anyone
1: <laughs> if anyone uh, out in comics
0: Ten I mean, years of most experience. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry I got you fired, Colin.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm gonna get the meanest email later. Um, well this isn't on the radio yet. You could still cut this. I could. But, but we should. But he has his he has his integrity cut down. <laughs> what Robin has integrity, what?
2: What have I done, Simon?
1: You get so offended whenever I make like cracks about you. I love it. That's no, your stock standard that. response. Just you just you just freeze and just stare.
0: Don't like me. <laughs>
3: so, do you do you find do you, is the Meg stuff going to be uh, kind of a lifetime work? Do you see yourself moving past it and, and doing other storylines completely separate?
1: You mean like just no Meg and Miles? Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, I did a thing called Fiddler's Green a few years ago. I got 50 pages into about a bunch of sailors Mm -hmm. in the desert dying of thirst that break into a mental realm of their own making. It's just based on a novella from the 60s -hmm. that I'm obsessed with a very obscure novella by a British writer, Richard McKenna. I mean, there was my teen drama I did years ago. Um, I'm doing this weird Simpsons comic thing. It's like... House of Terror no, it's like oh, it's, it's like it's like uh, I'm just I just, I'm gonna take the script from Todd Salons' film Happiness mm-hmm. and redraw it with Simpsons characters, but it's like the characters are putting on a play. That sounds of the much movie. interesting
2: than much more interesting than Barbecue.
1: Yeah, I had this idea three years ago. I'm really irritated. There's some other Simpsons comic that was at SBX I heard about where someone redrawed Homer.
2: That looks amazing. Yes, yes, the Die
1: Hard Homer thing. Yes, I right. I kind of don't want to do the Simpsons thing now because it seems like played out and stuff, but I should have done it three years ago when I had the idea when I was first. Are like, you just, you know, you're
3: lower on the totem pole and you're going to have to make it family guy?
1: Yeah, I think so. I did actually think about making a family guy because I do love the Simpsons and I, I don't kind of want to the fuck gesture? them up with this, uh... Material, but there has to be lovable characters. The Family Guy characters are not lovable. Right. Yeah. That's, the, that's the whole point. Of the Simpsons characters are quite endearing and lovable, and I want to give them this challenging material.
3: I would like to see you do it Tiny Tunes.
1: Oh, that could work. That could work. Not, they're, they're, they're
3: fundamentally unlovable. You know, the Space Jam cast.
1: Yeah, but the, the Simpsons characters work so well with the Todd Salon's happiness thing, mm. if you're familiar with the film.
3: I haven't seen it because people... <laughs> it was one of those things that was, was sold to me as just such a, like, um, depressing... Yeah, I have a weird relationship with movies. I don't. I think I don't respect it as an art form.
1: No, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm weird about movies. When people ask me like, "What are your favorite films?" I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know." I like Todd Salons, but aside from that, I can't. Right. Think I'm always I, like,
3: "They live." Going uh, yeah, in.
1: I prefer TV to movies. Really, I prefer that episodic, more room to breathe. Hmm. Well, like, at this point, it's yeah. almost like
3: you—the story arc has has gotten so uh, dry and repetitive in a lot of in a lot of movies that you it feels like. A lot more can be done with television. Or,
1: yeah, you know, they, they're talking about making a movie of Dan Simmons' Hyperion mm. novels, and that's just. What? Why would you make a movie of that? Make an HBO series. Right. Do you know that novel? I was just listening to the audiobook. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, how can you tell the stories of Seven Pilgrims mm. and all the stuff that happens in the next book in an hour and a half or two hours? Right. It'd be rubbish. But as a series, that would be incredible,
3: right? It's always strange. It's, it's very strange to think about adaptions of one work, of work into another medium, though. Mm. And uh, how sometimes I, I'm always really fascinated by taking the same storyline and showing it in different and different things. There's a you know the girl with the dragon tattoo. There's um, there's so there's two different movie versions of it based on the novel, and then three different comic book versions: a Japanese one, a British one, and a French one of all the same storyline. So it's, I always thought it would be interesting to try to do that, where there wasn't kind of a stronger one, like with those, like the book is first. Like if you took, it'd be I always thought it'd be fun to get a group of cartoonists together, give them a story, and have each one of them do their own adaptation of it. So yeah, no yeah. one was first.
1: Yeah, and you can compare them. And yeah, they'd be so nerdy, but that's the kind of thing I'd love. Like, yeah, just comparing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Hang on, while I remember, has anybody made a fake mock-up cover for the man with the elephant tattoo in the style of the Stig Larsen books with you on the cover? <laughs> has anyone done that? No. Cause that'll be kind of. I want. I kind of want to see that. All right. Wait well, You got it. Yeah. I, I can't I am, use Photoshop. I am
3: an edgy hacker in my. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am an edgy, mostly lesbian hacker in my. <laughs> but when the right, when the right character, who's thinly based on the author, shows up, I get, can't resist him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Fans out there, Brandon, Brandy Graham fans. It is officially Brandy Graham now. I have coined the na- the nickname Brandy Graham. I'm
3: pretty sure that's my drug name.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's slowly catching on throughout <coughs> SBX and throughout this last sort of week. Uh, let's make it happen, fans. Let's uh, let's 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 do it.
2: <laughs> I want to talk a bit about the drug content in Mega Hex mm-hmm. um, because we're talking about dealing with that in personal lives and um, like. It being central to the lives of the characters in the um, in Mega Hex, in Mega Um What's the balance there between exploitation and um,
3: telling the story or autobiography? Even. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's just it's. Uh... Yeah, I've been smoking a lot of pot since I was like 15, like every day. It's just sort of what happens. Uh, I mean, when I first started doing Megan Mogg, I wanted it to be kind of silly and flippant. It was about pranks, and I wanted them just... That was a stipulation of the rules of Megan Mogg, the unwritten rules. They just had to be inebriated all the time. I wanted to cover all the different, you know, drugs. and But I don't give a shit about that anymore. I, I, they're trapped in drug worlds. I'm trapped in drug world. You know, I'd like to quit sometimes, but... I find people in America are less concerned about it. Everyone at SPX was just getting, like, really fucked up outside constantly. There are a lot of vapes around, a lot of weed. And no one really cared. I mean, everyone was productive at SPX. Everyone's there, like, working hard with their books, and... But I feel like in Australia, it's a bit more of a stigma. Like, people just... I don't know. There's an... Yeah, aspersions cast upon you if you're a stoner, that you're lazy, and you need to stop. It's unhealthy, but...
2: I'm sure that exists there too. It exists here. Well, I'm sure it does, but it's also there's a big difference between how you exist at party time convention Mm. and how you're existing in your daily life and the in the context of getting loaded at the convention with all your friends and constantly getting loaded at home in the basement.
1: Well, most of the people I was hanging out with it seems to be a daily thing, and yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um,
2: and I'm not saying that, kind of like a judging that people to do whatever the fuck they want or it makes them happy. Hmm.
1: Well, I'm doing okay. I've, you know, I've smoked a lot of pot in my life and I, you know, have a reasonable memory and a functional perspicacity and, uh... <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just an analogy as well. I just, you know, being trapped in, in anything, really, mm-hmm. in Megan Long that is trapped in this foggy, kind of fucked up Mm. Shittings.
2: No, I wanna talk about a couple of the strips in the book. Um, one that Brandon really latched onto was the one where uh Meg and Mog are going in and they put like
3: they were like pedophile oh, that was that's fantastic. They sneak into a school yep. and uh, and they're like, Let's be pedophiles and run into the the what is it, a janitor or a guard in the
1: hallway? Yeah, it's a it's a theater. It's it's like oh, a so the theater. They talk about the kids at the start, it's like, in Tasmania they used to, the, the local theatre or the, they had all the young girls there, like, like seven year old girls and just like this crazy drag makeup right. and they go there and do the dance performances, like a rocker Stedford type thing, I don't know what you call it over here. But yeah, no, Grant and I did that, we were on tour with our band in Sydney in like 2007. And we just snuck into this theatre, we were just like, let's pretend to be pedophiles. And just, well, we were just, just kind of stoned and drunk and just sort of snuck into the theatre and like, what's going on in there? Look at all these creepy children and, uh, and just kept, getting, kept on getting kicked out. Uh-huh. And then we did, we just went back and wrote different person, and drew uh, fake, that was the fake beards. That I really liked. Yeah. Different just,
3: person written on the forehead.
1: Yeah, we went back like that, and uh, they threatened to call the police, and uh, just banned us from the theatre. We are still banned from the Enmore Theatre in Sydney for life. Mm. I'm sure they've got our pictures up with fake beards drawn on, and different person written on our foreheads. So, so they actually... Do
2: not book any signings there, or events? Yes, actually, not uh, the uh, Enmore Theatre. They actually took
3: full of you, and... and
1: no, I don't think they did, but they may have. I mean, they're probably the they probably got security footage. New York is
3: really interesting when you go to the grocery... Like, like, some grocery stores in Queens or whatever, where they have a wall of shame of yeah. people that, that aren't allowed back in. Holding up what they've
1: stolen is really, really interesting. See, we don't have that in Australia. I've never seen that. It's a different... It's, a, it's like a different country. I mean, I've never seen God, anywhere. God bless this country. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing, but, you know...
2: I'm looking forward to when you have more time in Canada you get to experience that country.
1: Mm, I want to see these milk sacks that I've been hearing so I've never, much about. I've never
3: seen one. I don't think they, I think it's some kind of Canadian Illuminati thing. <laughs> eventually get brought into a background and be like, you've been here long enough. We know you're not a plant. Uh, you get to see the milk sacks.
1: Well, I can only hope. Hopefully TCAF next year I'll get to slurp down some milk sacks. <laughs>
2: Um, how about the, um, the incredibly awkward near-statutory rape?
1: The owl, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, with owl, uh, happened to my friend Carl, my current bandmate in the band I'm in, um, about 2005 in Hobart, it was his birthday, our friends Colin and Reggie picked him up, thought it'd be hilarious, it just, as the strip happened, they just picked him up, got him really fucked up, took him to this house and did that, and they thought it was hilarious.
2: No, 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 not that one. The one where Owl almost gets it on with a 13-year-old.
1: Oh, I shouldn't divulge. That wasn't me, but I'm, I'm not going to divulge who did that. Was it? No, I won't say who it I'm kind of drunk, so I was going to say who it was. But, yeah, it was a yeah. friend of mine. It happened to someone. They were about 18, 19 at the time, mm. and they were hanging out with this girl. And it turned out, yeah, she was, like, turning 13 at the birthday party. Uh, but they couldn't tell. I mean, they thought she was at least, like, 16, 17. You can't tell with some kids. uh and yeah, I embellished that out a bit. I made up all the, you know, pony rides and the bounty yeah, castle bits, you know, just add in some made-up stuff. But yeah, it happened to a friend of mine, you know, they were horrified and it felt like, you know, pretty horrible.
2: Um, the strip brand, you know, right that's one where you get a bunch of different folks.
1: Yeah, the acid one with the yeah. guest panels. Yeah, I, yeah, put
2: that one together.
1: Uh, that was in the works for years. I, I was disappointed with that because I wanted to have a claymation segment and a photo section with a me dressed as Meg with a model, like a, a cat model, a real cat. I'd like do a casting call for a a cat. Your a cat. your cats would it's have been perfect, perfect. perfect. But I, I'm not in Vancouver and I ran out of time. But yeah, you know, I I got Matt Fury's panel probably in like 2011 for it, and Deforge was supposed to do it, and like. Dropped out because he's always busy vomiting and stressing out about things. Hmm. Michael Hawkins, like my friend from Melbourne, did some pretty good panels. And Johnny Negron, Mickey Z had some guests. It was a fun one. Nice. And I, my favorite bit in it is Al and Werewolf Jones having the consensual sort of experimental sex, which I think, you know, goes nicely with the sexual assault of Al that I was just previously talking about. Mm. The coloring on
2: that page is amazing.
1: Uh, the, the multicolored kind yeah, of crazy page we are a, we are doing a podcast Robin so you probably want to actually explain what you're talking about
2: I was going to let you do that <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it didn't seem like it wow.
2: <laughs> wow
1: yeah it's not bad I mean I, I just I don't like it I hate that page personally because I just kind of winged it and I don't think it works uh, and this is
3: page number Brandon can you read that 176 yeah 176 mm. it's, it's almost the, the colors in it almost look like a, like a negative thing you know, they're, they're changing. Owl's got on a wig and it's he's and changing from. Normally his color's white and he's changing from blue to red and
1: yeah. to yellow. I don't know. I, I hate my work and I think it could be a lot better. But like Charles Burns is being so complimentary the other day and like. It's just. This shit like that just blows my mind. Like, the people I've respected for years and you know like this stuff and think it's good and like my originals and compliment me on how neat it is and it's strange because, you know, I think I could do a lot better. I'm rushing everything constantly.
2: um, Is that a necessity? Like, what's the necessity for that with you?
1: Uh, I mean, I don't... I want to get as much done as possible. It's always a race. And also, I can't correct anything. I'm working with watercolors. I don't use Photoshop at all. I just do raw scans. So if I make a mistake, I have to live with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty much, you know, high most of the time I'm working on this stuff. But, you know, I need to stop saying that as well. I need to stop. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Well, it's, what what it's is it? with,
3: with Like... Like with profit, I, I get to to get to work with a lot of different cartoonists, and it's about it's about half people who are stoned when they work, and half people who are sober when they work, and mm. and, it, and it's interesting, and it's it's good to talk about in a non in a realistic way, yeah. Because I'm always i have always really been against the idea that you need pot to because because my brain doesn't work that way. Like I kind of need to be able to think as well as I can to to get work done, and mm. and the times that I've that I've been. You know, drunk or, or stoned in my life or not times that I'm able to function in any way that to produce work.
1: Yeah, I'm usually just stoned during the dr- the drudgery period yeah. where I'm drawing the work. Like, when I'm writing, I need to be more switched on and yeah. very focused and ritualistic about it. But when I'm just doing the grunt work of drawing it, I can be pretty fucked up. Mm. And uh, Yeah. yeah. I was going to say something else uh, quite interesting, I think, but I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's in there? <laughs> it might come back it might not
2: it is getting close to midnight probably yeah well you know, I, I need track. to go and sleep I need Which two hours want?
1: sleep uh, it, for the past it sounds week.
2: like your, your tour manager has been keeping you
1: really busy well it's, it's, okay? a, it's a, yeah I know it's a really good it's tour we're doing a lot of here. stuff and uh, I know what I was going to say in mm-hmm. regards to part. just like during a signing the other day when I was doing five and a half hours uh, a fan got me stoned they were like hey you want to come out and like take a break and I drew like crazy when I got back. Like, uh, yeah, I just got it gets really flowery. Like, just more, yeah, I don't know, looser, just more experimental, and it was uh, it was really good, and yeah, it really helped.
3: Does it speed you up in a way?
1: Yeah, I think so. A um, little bit more confidence, kind of. It it does focus me, I find. Like, uh, it just yeah, it focuses you in.
3: The last time I last time I smoked pot, I had to go and do a. I had to go into a restaurant and order fries, and it was the most stressful experience of my entire life.
1: Yeah, well, that happens sometimes. American part's really crazy strong as well, so I've kind of been avoiding it over here because I, I do want this to be a professional tour. Like, you know, I, I want this to be, you know, I'm very careerist. Like, you know, I, I really want to do well and I want to make really good work and entertain people. And So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, have a professional tour. Need to get more sleep. I'm keeping busy on it, yeah, and that's a good thing because, uh, I don't know. I enjoy this shit. Wow, there's someone outside wearing a crazy hat. Welcome Maybe it's Rihanna over, again.
2: Over side? Um, Simon, thank you for uh, coming and joining us this evening.
1: Uh, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I like hanging out with you guys. It's been interesting doing this live twice in one week. <laughs>
2: and we'll see each other... Again soon, he'll be joining us on the uh, Gary Panther interview, probably.
1: Oh yeah, okay, okay. Three times in one week, we're going to be seeing each other and doing a podcast. <laughs> I don't
3: know if you know, but we just do a, we just have a Simon Hanselman podcast that we run now. Yeah,
1: yeah. We it's could, could just probably uh, going to be
3: our most popular show of run.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the Panther one, which should be pretty good. Uh, Patrick, Kyle, and Michael DeForge will be joining us.
2: Yeah, and that one's going to be. Um, I really want everyone to be talking. Mm. Like, really ask Gary questions, ask Michael questions. Like, I mm-hmm. really want to be open. Um, part of going into it is I know Gary has done a million of the same interview, and I don't want to do that. I don't right. want to respect Gary, like being the man that he is.
1: I just want to ask him about those hippie necklaces and where can I buy I heard them?
2: About like yesterday.
1: Only so yesterday. All right, oh, thanks, guys.
0: tonight, tonight, why do they go there all night only, why do they